0: Well, hello everyone. Here we are meeting for another Percy's Jackson test episode. Um, there was a slight break in between because I had tests going on and uh, it was a mess. Anyway, I'm back and well, the episode will continue. So Talia had come to aid Percy uh, in order to distribute the forces and... Uh, in various parts of Manhattan and New York. So, well, let's see what happens next. She slapped her silver bracelet and the shield ages spiraled into full form. The golden head of Medusa, molded in the center, was so horrible the campers all backed away. The hunters took off down the avenue followed by the wolves and falcons and I had a feeling the Lincoln Tunnel would be safe for now. The gods, Annabeth said if we don't blockade the rivers from those boats guarding the bridges and tunnels will be pointless. You're right, I said. I looked at the campers, all of them, grim and determined. I tried not to feel like this was the last time I'd ever see all of them together. You are the greatest heroes of this millennium. It doesn't matter how many monsters come at you. Fight bravely and we will win. For Olympus, they shouted in response and our 40 voices echoed at the buildings of Midtown. For a moment, it sounded brave, but it died quickly in the silence of 10 million sleeping New Yorkers. Annabeth and I would have had our pick of cars, but they were all wedged in bumper-to-bumper traffic. None of the engines were running, which was weird. It seemed the drivers had not time to turn off the ignition before they got too sleepy, or maybe Morpheus had the power to put engines to sleep as well. Most of the drivers had apparently tried to pull to the curb when they felt themselves passing out, but still, the streets were too clogged to navigate. Finally, we found an unconscious courier leaning against a brick wall, still straddling his red Vespa. We dragged him off the scooter and laid him on the sidewalk. You know what? Whenever you say Vespa, I always think of our Wallowitz. So we're gonna picture that. If you all don't mind. Sorry, dude, I said. With any luck, I'd be able to bring his scooter back. If I didn't, it would hardly matter because the city would be destroyed. I drove with Annabeth behind me, holding onto my waist. We zigzagged down Broadway with our engine buzzing through the eerie calm. The only sounds were occasional cell phones ringing, like they were calling out to each other as if New York had turned into a giant electronic aviary. Our progress was slow. Every so often, we'd come across pedestrians who'd fallen asleep right in front of a car. Oh God, that's that's dangerous. And we'd move them just to be safe. Once we stopped to extinguish a pretzel vendor's cart that had caught fire. A few minutes later, we had to rescue a baby carriage that was rolling aimlessly down the street. It turned out there was no baby in it; just somebody sleeping. Poodle, go figure. her. We parked it safely in a doorway and kept driving. We were passing Madison Square Garden where, uh, when Annabeth said, Pull over. I stopped in the middle of East 23rd. Annabeth jumped off and ran towards the park. By the time I got, with, got up with her, she was staring at a bronze statue on a red marble pedestal. I'd probably passed it a million times but never really looked at it. The dude was sitting in a chair with his legs crossed. He wore an old-fashioned suit. Abraham Lincoln style, and a bow tie and long coattails and stuff. A bunch of bronze books were piled under his chair. He held a writing quill in one hand and a big metal sheet of parchment in the other. Why do we care about a sprinter with the name of the pedestal? William H. Stewart. Stewart, I got corrected. He was a New York governor, minor Democrat, son of Hebe, I think. But that's not important. It's a statue I care about. She climbed on a park bench and examined the base of the statue. Don't tell me he's an automaton, I said. Annabeth smiled. Turns out, most of the statues in the city are automatons. Dedalus planted them here just in case he needed an army. To attack Olympus, or defend defended. She shrugged. Either one, it was Plan 23. You could activate one statue and it could start activating its brethren all over the city, unless, until there was an army. It's dangerous, though, you know how unpredictable automatons are. Uh Uh-huh, I said. We had our share of bad experiences with them. You seriously thinking about activating it? I have Daedalus's notes, she said. I think I can. Here, here we go. She pressed the tip of Seaworth's boot and the statue stood up. It's quill and paper ready. What's he gonna do? Take a memo? Shh! Annabeth said. Hello, William. Bill, I suggested. Bill? Oh, shut up. Annabeth told me. The statue tilted its head, looking at us with blank metal eyes. Annabeth cleared her throat. throat) Hello, uh, Governor Seward Command sequence, Daedalus 23, defend Manhattan, begin activation. Seward jumped off his pedestal. He, he hit the ground so hard, his shoes cracked the sidewalk. Then he went clanking off towards the east. He's probably going to wake up Confucius. Annabeth guessed. What? I said, another statue in division. The point is they'll keep waking each other up until they're all activated. And then? Hopefully they defend Manhattan. Do they know that we're not the enemy? I think so. That's reassuring. I thought about all the bronze statues in the parks, plaza's and buildings of New York. There had to be hundreds, maybe thousands. And a ball of green light exploded in the evening sky, Greek fire, somewhere over the East River. We have to hurry, I said, and then we ran for the Vespa. We parked outside Battery Park and the lower tip of Manhattan where Hudson and the East Rivers came together and emptied into the bay. Wait here. I told Annabeth. "Cause you shouldn't go along. Well, unless you can breathe underwater. She sighed. You are so, so, so annoying sometimes. Like when I'm right. Trust me, I'll be fine. I've got the curse of Achilles now. I'm all invincible and stuff. She didn't look convinced. Just be careful. I don't want anything to happen to you. I mean, because we need you for the battle. I grinned. I, uh, I grinned. Back in a flash. I clumbered down the shoreline and waded over the river. Just for you non-sea god types out there, don't go swimming in New York Harbor. It may not be as filthy as it was in my mom's day, but that water will still make you grow a third eye or have mutant children when you grow up. Oh honey, that's, that's the story of everywhere. I mean, every river. I guess. I mean. <sighs> the water is so polluted. Okay. I dove into the murk and sank to the bottom. I tried to find the spot where the two rivers' currents seemed equal, where they met to form the bay. I figured that was the best place to get their attention. Hey! I shouted in my best underwater voice. The sound echoed in the darkness. I heard you guys are so polluted you're embarrassed to show your faces. Is that true? Oh God, what is he doing? A cold current rippled through the bay, churning up plumes of garbage and silt. I heard the East River is more toxic, but Hudson? It smells worse, or it's the other way around. The water shimmered. Something powerful and angry was watching me now. I could sense its presence, or maybe two presences. I was afraid I I'd miscalculated with the insults. What if they just blasted me without showing themselves? But these were New York River Gods, so I figure their instinct would be to get it in my face. <laughs> sure enough, two giant forms appeared in front of me. At first, they were just dark brown columns of silt, denser than water around them. Then they grew legs, arms, and scowling faces. The creature on the left looked disturbingly like a telekin. His face was wolfish, his body was vaguely like a seal, sleek black with slipper hands and feet. His eyes glowed radiation green. The dude on the right was more humanoid. He was dressed in rags and seaweed, with a chainmail coat made of bottle caps and old plastic six-pack holders. His face was blotchy with algae and his his, uh, beard was overgrown. His deep blue eyes burned with anger. The seal, who had to be the god of the East River, said, are you trying to get yourself killed, Ken? Or are you just extra stupid? The beautiful spirit of Hudson scoffed. You're the expert on stupid East. Watch it, Hudson. Stay on your side of the island and mind your business. Or what? You'll throw another garbage barge at me? They floated towards each other ready to fight. Hold it, we got bigger problem. That the kid's right. East snarled. Let's both kill him and we'll fight each other. Sounds good, Hudson said. Before I could protest, a thousand scraps of garbage surged off the bottom and flew straight at me from both directions. Broken glass, rocks, cans, tires. I was expecting it, though. The water in front of me thickened into a shield. The debris bounced off harmlessly. Only one piece got through. A big chunk of glass that hit my chest and probably should have killed me, but it shattered against my skin. The two river gods stared at me. Son of Poseidon? East asked. I nodded. Take a dip in the sticks? Hudson asked. Yep. They both made disgusted sounds. Well, that's perfect. Now, how do we kill him? We could electrocute him, Hudson mused, if I could just find some jumper cables. Listen to me. Kronos' army is invading Manhattan. Don't you think we know that? I can feel his boats right now. They're almost across. East, East said. Yep, Hudson agreed. I got some filthy monsters crossing my waters too. So stop them. Drown them. Sink their boats. Why should we? So they invade Olympus. Why do we care? Because I can pay you. I took out the sand dollar my father had given me for my birthday. The river god's eyes widened. It's mine. Give it to your kid. I, I promise none of Christmas will come while getting across the East River. Forget that. The sand dollar's mine. Unless you want to g- let me all the ships across the Hudson. No we'll compromise, and I broke the sand dollar in half. A ripple of clean, fresh water spread out from the brick as if all the pollution in the bay were being dissolved. You each get half. In exchange, you keep all of Kronos' forces away from Manhattan. Oh, man, Hudson whimpered, reaching out for the sand dollar. It's been so long since I was clean. The power of Poseidon. He's a jerk, but he sure knows how to sweep pollution away. They looked at each other, then spoke as one. It's a deal. I gave them each half of the sand dollar, which they held reverently. Um, the invaders? I prompted. East flicked his hand. They just got sunk. Hudson snapped his fingers. Bunch of hellhounds just took a dive. Thank you. Stay clean. As I rushed to the surface, East called out, Hey, kid! Anytime you got a sand artist, man, come on back, assuming you live. Curse of Achilles, Hudson snorted. they always think they'll, that'll save them, huh? Don't they? If only he knew. Easter agreed. They both laughed, dissolving into the water, back on the shore. Annabeth was talking on her cell phone, but she hung up as soon as he shaw- saw me. She looked pretty shaken. It's worked. The rivers are safe. Good. Because we've got other problems, Michael. You, just called, another army is marching towards a Williamsburg Bridge. The Apollo Cabin needs help. And Prissy, the monster leading the army, it's... It's the Minotaur. And yay, the chapter's over. The Minotaur. Guys, do you remember he's actually the second monster or third? I mean, if you count uh, Mrs. Dodds and, you know, I, I accidentally vaporized my math teacher... And then, uh, I guess he saw the Fates also? No, that was after. That was after, I think. But well, he also saw Cruz. Well, he Well, was, it, it was one of the first monsters he ever battled. I mean, the second monster he actually battled after Mrs. Dodd's, the Minotaur. I mean, he arrived at the camp holding the Minotaur's horn, or whatever it's called. Ah I mean it was one of the first five chapters I think. Oh my god, we've come such a long way. It's beautiful, you know? It's beautiful. So we'll meet again next episode early on. The Percy Jackson Podcast.